All right, Forge family. So starting today, we're going to be back in the New Testament. Um, Our pattern has been we do Old Testament for a book, and then we come back to the New Testament. And so this this time we're starting in the book of 1 Timothy, which is one of three of Paul's epistles in what's called the pastoral epistles. So 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus are the books that make up those letters that Paul wrote directly to his young protégés in the ministry. Now, Paul the Apostle began his life as Saul of Tarsus, and uh, his home, home ground, home territory was on, um, on the ocean. Um, I think that's still Adriatic. It's, it's um, uh, in Tarsus on the south coast of mo- modern-day Turkey, and his family had been there for three generations. Apparently, the Roman Empire had urged Jewish families to to um, be part of a diaspora to come to Tarsus because the Romans knew that if you put a Jewish community in town, you got a thriving business environment. And uh, tradition has it that Saul was the son of the lead rabbi in Tarsus. In the book of Luke, um, that physician described Saul as a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a murderer of those who followed the way, the the disciples of Jesus. The Damascus Road encounter uh, where Saul is knocked off of his horse and he he sees the risen Christ, Uh, that starts a conversion process that, that proceeds rapidly. And within a few days, his sight is restored and he begins to prepare himself to, to figure out, I've been, I've been cursing and trying to kill all the people who've been following this risen Messiah, and now what do I do? So he, he heads into the synagogues of Damascus to try and persuade those in the synagogues that Jesus was the risen Messiah. Um, that didn't cut a lot of ice in Damascus, and ultimately he has to flee. He goes over the wall of Damascus in a boat, in a, excuse me, in a, in a basket. And once he hits the ground, he goes south. Uh, southeast and um, southwest, excuse me, southwest to Jerusalem. And when he arrives in Jerusalem, he tries to uh, affiliate himself with the apostles, with the disciples, with the followers in Jerusalem, and they're not having any of him because they know him as blasphemer, (laughs) murderer, persecutor. And it's only Barnabas that reaches out to him. Um, Years pass. And, and Saul has been in the desert. Um, one of our mentors, Mark Sharona, has a vast library. And it is he who said, no, no, Saul was not a tent maker. He was a saddle maker. He made exquisite leather goods. And so he'd been in the northern Arabian desert, face to face with Jesus, learning and unlearning, bringing out the Old Testament scriptures and having the Lord teach him what it was all about. So when he he's, uh, had a couple of years there, Barnabas goes and finds him and brings him back into the fellowship in Antioch. Now, Antioch is in northern Syria, kind of right at the break where, it, where there's a left-hand turn of the landmass out toward the southern coast of Turkey. And over a short period of time, Saul becomes one of the noted teachers of that church, which is what's recorded in Acts 13. 
in A.D. 47, by a move of the Holy Spirit, Barnabas and Saul were set apart for exterior ministry. They had hands laid on them, they were commissioned, and they were sent to be evangelists. Now, we studied a lot of uh, the first missionary journey of Paul when we were together in the book of Galatians. Okay, the slide here on the screen it, it pictures that the route that was taken, some 1,500 miles, about half on land and half by sea, uh, of Saul, Barnabas, and for part of it, Mark. Uh, Mark made it all the way to the mainland. He went, he went from Antioch through Cyprus, southern coast of Pamphylia, and then he went, whoa, not doing this. Little too, little too rocky for his world. And so he departed from that team. And it was Paul and Barnabas that went north, and they went up into the center of Asia Minor, into the region of Galatia, and um, began to share the Lord. And so that's recorded in Acts 13 and 14. Uh, it takes about two years to complete that walkthrough, and then they come back to Antioch. And they share that the Jewish synagogues systematically were closed to them. But the people on the street, the Gentiles, they received the message of the risen Christ with gladness. And so they were rejoicing in Antioch, but they recognized this needs to get passed through to the, to the Council of Jerusalem so that they understand what's happening with our missions team. So Saul, Paul, Saul excuse me, um, Paul, Saul changed his name on the island of Cyprus when he shifted to ministry to, to, the, to the Gentiles and he became known as Paul. So Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem to the, to the council that is led by James, the brother of Jesus. And um, they, they rejoice at the, the conversions in the Gentile community. They don't, know, they don't know how that could happen because, you know, they've got a couple of thousand years of, of Jewish history behind them where they basically say, this God and this Messiah is, is, is ours, not, not, the, not for the Goyim. But it was clearly manifest by Holy Spirit that that's what God was doing. So they said, praise God. And then they sent out a letter from that uh, Jerusalem council to give the new Gentile believers some biblical boundaries for their new faith. And, and that council letter was received with gladness first in Antioch which was a mixed congregation, some Jewish people and some Gentile people, and they loved the Lord. So Paul wanted to set up again to minister to Asia Minor, but he wasn't about to take Mark because Mark had departed from the team. And, but it was Barnabas who stepped up. Barnabas was a Cypriot Jew. He was from Cyprus, and so he took Mark, and they sailed to Cyprus for ministry. Paul took Silas, and they begin to sort of, um, are we on the second missionary journey here? Soon. Benjamin. <laughs> that's the, it should be in order. So, How, back up. That's the first. That's first. Okay, I need second. Whoop. Sorry. Um, when they go back, when Paul and Silas go back for the second missionary journey, they, they basically follow the same footsteps. Right up the center of... of uh, that's second? That's second. That's second. Okay. That's second. So what they did, they went overland this time. Instead of go to Cyprus and then north, they didn't take the sea voyage, they, they, they walked it. But they went right back into Galatia and they hand-carried that letter that said, all you new believers, here it is, you need to understand what is the boundaries that the, the, um, the church in Jerusalem has urged upon you. Um, not to, uh, to uh, ref excuse me, re refrain from things sacrificed to idols, 
from blood, from things that were strangled, and from fornication. Okay? And as you can see from that slide, the second missionary journey travels north, up through the top region, and they arrive close to the Black Sea. And up there, the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, that's as far as you're going to go. You're not going to go east. You're not going to go north. And Paul keeps bumping his head against this, realizing the Holy Spirit saying no. So they begin to travel west along the, the, that curve of the Black Sea through Mycenae. And uh, arriving in Troas, uh, apparently Paul separated himself for, for a period of, of hours and days just to kind of seek the Lord. What is going on? And he got a, a, uh, a vision of a man from Macedonia crying out and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul took that as a call to shift from the Asian continent to the European continent. And he boarded ship from Troas and they went across the uh, that northern stretch of the Aegean and uh, landed at Neapolis. From Neapolis, they walked into Philippi. And in Acts 16, I think it is, uh, there is recorded that they were there, they, were, they followed the tradition. You go where the God seekers are if there's not enough men to make up a quorum from which you can build yourself a synagogue. So they went down by the riverbank, and there were some God-fearers there. They were introduced to a woman named Lydia, wealthy lady. She sold the purple dye that was made from seashells from the, um, the coast of, of uh, Asia Minor. They took those seashells, crushed them, and extracted this purple dye. <clears throat> she welcomed them into her home. But Paul and, Bar uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy continued to minister in the community, in the, in the marketplace. And uh, they were continually confronted by this young woman who had, was demonized. And uh, she said of him, you're the servants of the Most High God, which was right on, but from a, bef a befouled source. And so Paul basically turned to her and said, you know, shh, shut it, and come out of her, which she was a slave girl. Her owners were making money on her prophetic abilities, and when they lost that, when she was delivered, they caused a riot in Philippi. And Paul and Silas were snatched off the street. They were dragged up in front of city magistrates and beaten, uh, beaten bloody, and then uh, thrown into an underground prison, and locked into stocks, uh, <clears throat> and at midnight, uh, some, somehow Timothy missed that dragnet. Somehow he just had distanced himself enough, you know, uh, or he looked, he looked a Greek, so they didn't grab him. They, he wasn't Jewish. Grab that, grab those guys. <clears throat> at midnight, Paul and Silas are singing praises. They're lifting their voices. They're in exquisite pain because of how they were seated on a sharp edge in the stocks. They, prayed, they lifted their praise to the Lord and an earthquake shook the prison, broke loose all the chains on Paul, Silas, and the rest of the prisoners, terrified the, the, the uh, jailer. And ultimately, the jailer and his household came to Christ. The household conversion principle, if you will, was raised at that point. The next day, Paul presents himself in front of the magistrates and terrifies them because he is a Roman citizen and they are forbidden on pain of death to treat a Roman citizen that way. So he and Silas uh, limp. You know, they're, they're, they, are, they are not in good shape after the beating. 
If you recall, we studied First Thessalonians. It took them a while to recover as they walked carefully down the, down the road, and they ended up at, Thess- uh, at Thessalonica, Thessalonica and uh, walked in again, starting with the, the um, uh, <clears throat> synagogues. They went first to the Jewish community and were basically the door closed there. So they went out to the streets and they began to proclaim Christ as God incarnate, risen from death. Um, That lasted uh, for a period, you know, they were there for a period of time ministering from dawn until way in the early morning to be able to give enough content from the scriptures to these new converts. And then it was the Jewish community that hired some thugs and started a riot. Uh, the riot uh, snatched Justin, I think it was his name, and uh, he happened to be one of the, the followers of Christ, while Paul, Silas, and Timothy went out the back door. They got out of town, they started down the road, they got to Berea, and at that, somewhere just south of Berea, Paul was concerned for the state of the new converts in Thessalonica. He turns and sends Timothy back up the road. Timothy spent up perhaps up to a year in Thessalonica, encouraging, laying foundations, helping people understand the scriptures, etc. And then he rejoins the team and he is there at least for Corinth. We know he's in Corinth. So Paul and Silas went through Athens and moved to Corinth and then set set up shop there for a couple of years. <clears throat> um uh, AD 53 is when they, the team pulls itself up out of the, the, the... Paul supported himself again, making leather goods. But in AD 53, uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy got aboard a ship and sailed east back to Antioch to report to the home church. Uh, same year, AD 53, Paul undertook to travel with Timothy on a third missionary journey. At the lap. I can't, can't reach it. Sorry. Third missionary journey. Um, they started overland from Antioch to Ephesus. Again, they go from northern Syria and they go right across that, that uh, the middle of Asia Minor. And they're headed for Ephesus. Again, Paul enters the synagogues to preach Christ. And in a short period of time, they're pushed out of the synagogues. Now, there are some who believe in the synagogues, and they come out as well. But Paul decides, that since that door is closed again, he's going to take over the school of Tyrannus, which was apparently a building, an auditorium, some, some capacity to provide for a teaching venue. And for two years, from 54 to 56 AD, he teaches and he disciples so that uh, men and women are, are um, discipled and then sent. And in two years, all of Asia Minor, all that thing that's labeled Asia right there, all of Asia Minor, hears the claims of Christ because Paul was willing to sit and teach and disciple and send others. <clears throat> his, his ministry in Ephesus included some powerful, extraordinary miracles but ultimately, it was a riot, again, conceived by the Jewish population, um, but executed by the silversmiths of Ephesus. Ephesus had a monster temple to Diana of the Ephesians. 
the Greek goddess of the identical Greek goddess was called Artemis. And uh, she was a fertility god. Uh, and periodically that led to wild, immoral stuff all over the sea. Um, but this riot against the Christians, um, you know, they, these uh, silversmiths made their money by making small little idols, big idols. So take, take something home with you and worship it, you know, of, of uh, Diana, of the Ephesians. And so they saw an attack on their income as people came to Christ. Um, well, that riot ultimately pushed Paul out of Ephesus. Then he went on north to Troas again. He traveled on to Macedonia with Sopater of Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus of Thessalonica, Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, Tychicus, and Trophimus from Asia. So his team is growing. He's got young men, old men. He's got, he's got men with him. Paul and his enlarged team traveled nearly in his footprints of the previous journey. You see the line drawn. He comes across from Troas to Neapolis to Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea. You know, he skips Athens. You know, he's aboard a ship. They sail around Athens, but he goes back to Corinth on this, on this third missionary journey. Um, he, if you recall from our study of the New Covenant ministry out of 2 Corinthians, Paul's heart was just being wrenched because he was perceiving that the Corinthians had sort of gone on his teaching and they'd been touched by false teaching by somebody in their midst. And so he had sent a tearful letter to them and then he had to wait. Timothy hand carried that letter to the Corinthians and Paul, you know, we read, you know, as the introduction to the New Covenant ministry, he was waiting for Timothy to come back. When it comes, he's rejoicing, and then he and Timothy go on to Corinth with uh, Sosipater. Anyway, there's, uh, there's a bunch of other guys who go with him into, into uh, it's Lucius, Timothy, Jason, and Sosipater that go on to Corinth. And while he's in Corinth, he writes the epistle to Romans. So he's back in, engaged with the church in Corinth, but he takes the time to send out a letter to the church in Rome. That's AD 57. Paul sets sail back to the east, stopping at Miletus. Now, Miletus is the port city for Ephesus. Okay, it's just, just down the road from this slightly interior city called Ephesus. And when he arrives there, he calls the elders of the church of Ephesus to come down to the port, and he wants to, to encourage them and challenge them and pray over them because he's going on to Jerusalem. Um, on his journey from, My, uh, from Mycia, no, from um, Miletus, he, he is told over and over again by prophets, if you go to Jerusalem, prison awaits you. Bondage awaits you. It's going to be bad. He just turns his face to Jerusalem and goes. So uh, he arrives in Jerusalem in A.D. 57. Uh, and uh, there's a riot. He's snatched out of the riot by the Roman Romans. He's held in Jerusalem temporarily, and then he's ultimately shifted because it's just too crazy, too crazy in, in Jerusalem. He's shifted down to Caesarea where he is held by the Romans, and he is exposed to Agrippa, uh, Herod, uh, who, um, who wants to hear. 
Tell me about this Jesus sort of thing. And he's there for three years under, um, uh, until he, he gets to the point where enough of this, nothing's moving. And he appeals to Caesar, which is his right as a citizen of Rome. So he, he and Timothy uh, board ship uh, under Roman supervision. Uh, we know that there were some shipwrecks on the way. Okay, but he arrives in Rome and is placed under house arrest while his case is being sorted out. And he is in that, under house arrest in Rome from uh, A.D. 60 to 62. And the end verses of the, of the book of Acts say this. He was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered, period. On release from house arrest in A.D. 62, the first thing he does, he's, gonna, he's preparing to, to hit the road again to go for more ministry. First thing he does, he sends a letter to the Philippians. They were the congregation that had continued to support him, send him gifts, send him uh, encouragement. There are messengers back and forth a bunch of times over that two-year period. And uh, it's mentioned clearly in the book of Philippians that, you know, that their love for him. So he says, fine, first, first order of business, tell the Philippians, I'm out, I'm free. And Timothy is the one who carries that message to Philippi. <clears throat> then Paul travels east to Asia Minor again, only he takes, uh, takes Titus. And he walks Titus all over the island of Crete. I'm looking where Crete is up there. Somewhere in there is the island of Crete. There you go, bottom left. It's the green thing, bottom left. They walk back and forth on that island, establishing and, and consolidating churches. And then he assigns Titus to stay behind and work on organizing. Paul continues, and he goes to Miletus, the port city outside of Ephesus. He, he, he docks, gets off, walks through Ephesus. He doesn't stop, apparently doesn't spend any time there at all, goes through and continues all the way to Colossae. That's the source of his epistle to the Colossians. He had promised that he was coming to uh, a man named Philemon. Philemon was one who had been in the school of Tyrannus and had been discipled. And Philemon is credited with planting the church in Colossae, not Paul. So Paul goes there first. Then he returns back down the road to Ephesians, to Ephesus, excuse me. To Ephesus, and on, in Ephesus, he is reunited with Timothy. Timothy has come back out of Philippi, back across. They meet up in, in Ephesus, and Paul asks Timothy to begin to care for and teach the believers in Ephesus. That's AD 62. So the, the, in, in Timothy's case, the Ephesian church had been there for at least 10 years, and it was, but it was growing up in a city filled with idols. Greek culture that embraced all forms of immorality, aberrant strains of Judaism, mysticism, and false teachers and false teachings that had arisen right in the church. And so here's Timothy assigned to begin to care for and support, encourage, and correct. Now there's a brief reference in Romans 15 that Paul desired to sail west to Spain. Um, 
of that journey, that's the only reference we have. We don't know if he went to Spain. Okay? We do know that he spent a winter in Nicopolis on the east coast of the Ionian Sea. So you can't see that in this picture. It's to the left. Uh, but it's probably in the red section <laughs> to the left of the, the edge of the thing. It's across the Ionian Sea from Italy. <clears throat> he and Titus were together for a winter. And then it's possible from that point he went west to Spain. We don't know. But we do know that ultimately he and Titus came back and he leaves Titus um, again in Crete. And, um, uh, and he moves on back to Ephesus. So during this period of time, in uh, AD 64, Rome had been burnt. And uh, by, by you know best history we've got, it was Nero who did it. Um, but he shifted the blame to the Christians. And that started an empire-wide persecution of Christians. And, uh, and we know that there were um, specific legions that were, were uh, dispatched to lead cities, one was Ephesus, to try and suppress and flatten and remove house churches. So Paul is beginning to walk on eggshells as he turns north to Troas and he goes and leaves a cloak with Carpus, a man, a believer, brother in, in Troas, and then he returns to Macedonia, and from Macedonia he goes back to Rome. When he gets to Rome, he discovers that his Roman citizenship, citizenship is no longer a shield uh, from persecution, and he is arrested again and placed in prison. This time it's not house arrest, it's dungeon stuff, deep, deep down. Okay? And from that place, he wrote 2 Timothy, just, just days, months, whatever, prior to his being beheaded in A.D. 66. Now, those letters to Timothy and Titus were dictated with a much more direct, personal focus. Those letters are not larded with doctrine, but rather they're exhortations to these young leaders who are to oversee and teach churches that have problems. How 21st century is that? Okay. The authorship of the letters uh, has, is an area of scholarly brouhaha, of squabbles, of you know, kerfuffle. There are those starting about the 1800 of the rational, um, higher critical section of, of um, scholars in Europe who basically read, read those letters and said, oh, we don't think this is, this doesn't sound like Paul at all. There's no doctrine. There's no mention of the cross. You know, it's all this vocabulary that's just personal and soft, and he's not the hard—he's you know, not the hard-faced apostle. So they, you know, that continues to this day. There are those who want nothing to do with Paul's authorship, and when they can dismiss that, they can sort of dismiss the contents as being written by a false author, a pseudo-author. And yet, early church fathers, from Clement of Alexandria, Justin Martyr, Polycarp, and Ignatius. They all, they all make reference to, they quote or make allusions that come right out of those uh, letters that were sent to Ephesus and to Crete. The historic church has never wavered in its belief that Paul wrote the pastoral epistles and they continue to this day to listen to the unique personal intimacy that flowed from Paul to these young pastors. 
his disciples, okay, which he was, as they began to pastor teachers, they were the pastor teachers in these churches that he himself had been part of planting. Now, as we head into 1 Timothy, there are some false teachers. There are a series of people in the churches that are persuaded that the false teachers are right. There's persecution from Rome. Um, and there's, and there's you know, significant confusion that's just arisen over time. So, um, actually, my wife was the one who said, let's teach something that has to do with people who are under stress. Such are some of us. Okay? So, I, you know, we go to 1 Timothy, and that's where we're going to start. 